music that haunted people in the <laughs> 1970s heater. Paul Heath with me in the studio for Duff's Deep Dive. Uh, you'd be too young to remember the terror of Jaws. Oh, no, I, I watched it as a kid. And uh, having a pool when I was younger, I even was worried. You're worried about the pool? Yeah, you know, I was worried about the, you know, the, the so, restraints of the four pool walls, yeah. Something coming through the skimmer box? That's it, you never know. Those movies uh, made anything possible. So, yeah, but uh, no, they, they were. And um, when you actually get to see the shark out of the water or something like that, and it's like, oh, you know, movies are, are amazing that they we can make it look like that was something to be terrified of. It's a 25-foot mechanical shark. <laughs> Was basically yours. just had a flipper that just went up and down a little bit. <laughs> and uh, actually, when you go back and you look at it, even the, the Jaws movie, even these days, they didn't yeah. do too bad a job with the special effects yeah. in that one, given their uh, hmm. their technological limitations back in back in that time. But anyway, what uh, we're going to be talking about interstate football on yes. Dust Deep Dive today. A, a big match coming up Friday, 1.40pm WA time. You can catch it on SEN app via SEN South Australia or via the AFL app if you I need that vision as well. So it's the curtain raiser for Port Adelaide's clash against Melbourne. The 98th time that the two sides have met, and uh, it's actually 49 to 48 in South Australia's favour at the moment, but they won the last three. So looking to even up the score this year. Yeah, so when I was growing up, the the clash against the Victorians until there was state of origin football, it was always the one you felt like you couldn't win. Yeah. And then there was the one against South Australia, which you felt like you needed to win to stay second in the pecking order behind mm. the Victorians. So I always placed a lot of stock mm. in how we went against the South Australians. And and the other thing about it is that as time went on and we started to play state of origin football against the Victorians, we still played Waffle versus SANFL against the South Australians. So there were two distinct state teams, Mm. and one was the absolute best we had in the waffle against the absolute best they had in the SANFL, which again cut to the strength of the two competitions. So you really, really wanted to win that, and particularly if you got a win over there at Footy Park, if the games were played over there, then that was big. Yeah. That was big. That was almost as big as a state of origin win over the Vicks. And I'm guessing they weren't any uh, sort of curtain raisers back then as well. No. They were their own events and, uh, you know, they had the, the clean air that they deserved, basically. They did. They were standalone matches on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, if it was played at Subiaco, you'd be playing in front of 25,000, 30,000 people mm. at Subiaco Oval. And if it was played over there at Football Park, as they would be played in those days, uh yeah, again, 25,000, 30,000 people at Footy Park. Big, big, big games. I remember, uh, keenly remember a couple of wins we had. We had a, a big win over them in the 1970s over there, and we had a big win in 1986. Mm. I think Robert Wiley yeah. might have kicked a point very late yeah. in the game yeah. to get us over the line. And then, of course, um, what would happen in those days is there'd be three games played. So... South Australia would play WA, um, which, as I said, was Waffle versus Sandville. Then South Australia State of Origin would play Victoria. Uh, that would be played at Football Park. And then West Australian State of Origin would play Victoria and mm. Subiaco. And those three games combined would decide the outcome of the National Football Championship. So in 1983, 84 and 86, we won 
the national football title. Mm. In 86, that game when Robbie Wiley kicked that point late, I think, to put us in front uh, and get a win at Football Park. Um, then on top of that, we managed to beat the Vicks by, I know it might have been three points at Subi Oval, I think. Gary Bacanara kicked one out of his backside <laughs> and his head from the forward pocket. <laughs> yeah. And um, and we got in front late in the game and Wayne Blackwell dived on, um, I think it might have been Brian Royal's boot uh, late in the game. We yeah. won. The, the, these things... For younger, the younger generation, they'll be forgotten moments in WA football or not known moments in WA football. But for people like me mm. in their 50s, this was a massive part of WA footy folklore yeah. and particularly over a sort of a, you know, a 10-year period when State of Origin was the biggest game played in WA footy every year. And like, other than memories back then, it, it meant something, didn't it? And it's hard to feel like it means something now, which is something that you talked about earlier this week and got a bit of traction as well. Like, what, what do these games mean with the sort of squads that are getting picked and some of the players that are getting overlooked? Oh, look, I, th- I still think it means something, and I think it's very important because I think there's that still – there's still that battle for a spot in the pecking order in terms of a state league competition. I think the VFL has become a seriously compromised competition because of the presence of so many AFL teams having either their own reserves team in the VFL or a alignment model, um, you know, aligned with one of the former VFL teams. And then you've got the poor standalone clubs that are trying to compete against all of that and really struggling to hold their end up. So I think that has become a seriously compromised competition now. So um, the Waffle and the SANFL, if you're looking for competitions that are still reasonably pure, now we have an alignment team here with Peel, obviously with Fremantle, and we have a standalone uh, AFL reserves team with West Coast, which is not working out well at the moment. I think Peel works for both Peel and Fremantle, and also works for the competition. West Coast, I think there's work to be done to get that right, make sure they're not too dominant, but they're also not too weak. Mm. Um, but we still do have reasonably pure second-tier competitions here. So I think it's important that we hold our own and hopefully win our share of those state matches because for young players who might have just missed out on AFL selection, where do they want to go and play their footy? We don't want players leaving Western Australia to go play in the SANFL because they view it as a stronger competition and a better level of football. And we want to occasionally be able to lure players over here to strengthen our waffle competition and make that a better standard of competition. So, yeah, I, I think I think games like this are still relevant and important. Yep. Uh, for WA's 23-man team that they've named so far, what, uh, in your opinion, have they got right? Oh, they're all good players. Yep. I mean, one thing I am impressed by, and this cuts to the depth of the competition in WA, when you look at the players they've picked, they're all good players. Mm. Um, and so the loss of eight players to injury for this one, and they would be genuine injuries, by the way. People wouldn't sit this out no, like they were doing in State of Origin at the end. They wouldn't sit it out. Uh, for the sake of, you know, preserving their bodies or or things like that. Mm. They want to play in this game. Um, So it's got that going for it. But I think it's a good deep squad. I am fascinated by the absence of Jai Bolton. Mm. But to me, Jai Bolton is still clearly one of the very best players in the waffle. And so therefore, how is he not in the best 22 or 23 Mm. when you pick a team like this? And I know that Jai plays a very specific brand of footy. And maybe they're they're viewing team dynamic versus what an individual can bring to the table. But I would have thought you could structure something around 
think what Jai Bolton yeah. brings. And and the other thing is that I mean Claremont use him across half back a fair bit now, but if I was picking a state team, Jai Bolton would be in my midfield and he'd be my primary hit too. Yeah. Midfielder, big strong body, doesn't flinch in the clinches, absorbs all manner of physical contact, and comes out swinging the other side. So yeah, I, I that'd be the one thing. It's just my opinion, but that, that would be the one thing I would be doing differently. I think any team would be happy enough to plug, you know, him into your team and to get him out there. But and everyone's very quick to point out, you know, what's missing from his game. But like, why can't we focus on what he does well? So this is a point that Lee Matthews has made a few times, um, and he. Just, talking about it in an AFL context, but you know, you can talk about what people don't do until the cows come home. Yeah. Or you can look at what they do do yeah. and and use that. Mm. And I think he's a he's an enormous contested ball winner. He's a good ball user, strong body, as I say, absorbs a lot of physical punishment, does not flinch. I think he's a super player and um, he would be in my state team. Mm. Definitely. Deserves a bit more respect as well from uh, the uh, opposition crowds around the league. Uh, other than the names on the page for the SANFL team, uh, what's your read on what they're going to put up against the WA team? It's hard to know because we don't see that much of it, yeah. do we? So you see the odd name bob up. Obviously, Liam McBean, as I mentioned to Cam Shepard when I was talking to him, he's a bloke in good form at the moment. Um, it sounds like Matt Jupp will go to him. Uh, Matt Jupp as a person, seriously, one of the most impressive people yeah. you'll ever meet. Yep. Super, super bloke. Lovely guy. He's a great leader, um, and so I hope that Matt holds his own. And, you know, the other one I have high hopes for in this game is Jack Buller because yeah. if Jack Buller plays strongly in this game and takes six or seven marks and kicks his two or three goals, yep. I think Jack Buller will be on an AFL list. He'll be in the system. At the end of the month. Yeah. So it's a big game for him. It'll be a good news story as well, isn't it? To see someone get in at mid-season, go into the club, get to live out their dream and, you know, chase the AFL football. Yeah. And what he is, he's 21, which is the right age. He's 199 centimetres tall. He's the right size. He's 100 kilos. Mm. So he's robust and he plays a robust style of footy. He's got a real presence about him and all those things are important when you're heading into the AFL system so I give him a chance I, I think he could he's a sort of player who may be able to have an impact in the AFL system what was uh, so what happened during his draft years you know when he was 18 19 to not um, be picked up then probably dropped the ball a bit he was an, yep. he was an AFL Academy player he was um, so those guys tend to get drafted mm. he might have made some assumptions okay. and, and fallen away a little bit um, he didn't have a great season. Sometimes they have injuries as well. I'm not sure whether that affected Jack. I, I noticed a story he did for the AFL website where he talked about taking things for granted and making assumptions. Right. He's had a massive summer, I'm told. Like he, he felt like he was close at the end of last year, played a big waffle grand final and uh, thought he was around the mark, didn't get taken in that draft, really got to work over summer, uh, came back really fit, had a really big start to the season. Mm. Um, he needs... A good, strong performance. Doesn't need to dominate the game, but he needs a good, strong performance in a game like this to frank his season so far and, and really put his hand up for selection in that mid-season draft. All right. So Friday afternoon, 1.40 p.m. WA time. You can catch it on the SEN app via 1629 SEN South Australia or also the AFL Live app if you need that vision. What's your tip? Um, I think over there it's a big ask. Yeah. 
It's a big ask, particularly with eight out. I think they've covered the losses pretty well. Mm. Um, so I'm going to tip South Australia. I, I hope I'm wrong, and it would be a massive, massive performance by Cam Shepard and the WA boys if they could get the win, given the setbacks they've mm. had in four, the run into this. Four-point loss uh, over here last time they both played. So if we get a game of that order, I think uh, we'll all be very happy. Yeah, that'd be great if they can compete strongly. Obviously, it it will be played as a curtain raiser to that Port Adelaide Melbourne game. That's a big game. So late in the in the state game, you'd expect there'd be people in the grandstand. They'll be pulling very hard for the South Aussie, so they'll have to battle the crowd if they're in the game coming into the last quarter. But um, they've got good, strong characters in and around the lines on this one. So. Fingers crossed they can get the win, but I suspect it might be another Crow Eaters win. <laughs> Crow Eaters win. We've got a couple of texts uh, about the state squad that we'll get to after the upcoming break. But for today, Duff, that is the deep dive. All right. And uh, that, of course, has been brought to you by Izuzu Ute. You can live your own way in the powerful Izuzu D-Max. We'll take a break and be back with more of the show after the break.